It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Halfway home on the John Chuckery Show on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. This, of course, your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. We'll hear from the head coach, Arthur Smith, here in just a couple of minutes. But a couple of numbers I want to bring up to you. So, since this is since 2017. Okay? You with me? 2017. The highest single season quote-unquote, uncatchable slash inaccurate throw percentage from a clean pocket. Okay? So, since 2017, the highest single season uncatchable, inaccurate throw percentage from a clean pocket by a quarterback. Okay? Um, Deshaun Kaiser in 2017 was 24%. Carson Wentz in 2020 was 23%. Josh Rosen in 2018 was 23%. And Marcus Mariota in 2022 was 23%. So he tied for the second highest uncatchable, inaccurate throw percentage from a clean pocket by any quarterback in the NFL in the last five years. Take that for what you will. I report, you decide out there. All right, one other number. We talked about the fact that the Falcons' pass defense has definitely been better over this last handful of weeks. In fact, they have not allowed a 200-yard passer since, uh, what's his name, Josh uh, uh, Herbert. Uh, is it Josh? It's not Josh. What am I? Um, Justin Herbert. Uh, November 6th, that's the last time somebody's thrown for 200 yards against the Falcons' defense. This is A.J. Terrell's last three games, okay? Last three games. He's allowed nine yards receiving. He's had four forced incompletions, and the passer rating against him is 39.6. So he's been outstanding the last few weeks. That's the A.J. Terrell that we wanted to see from the beginning of the season. So when I tell you that their pass defense has been better, that is 100% coincides with A.J. Terrell getting back up to speed. And I'll give Darren Hall and Hawkins and Grant, I'll give all those guys credit, but it's led by 24. And he's been outstanding. He's given up nine passing yards allowed the last three games that he's played in. Is that good? 39.6 rating, four forced incompletions out of all of it. So, good to see that A.J. Terrell is getting back to the form that we all expected him to be at. All right, let's get to uh, audio. Let's hear from the head coach. Here's the head coach talking about Ritter has to earn the respect of his teammates constantly. Thankful uh, for everything Marcus has done for us, right, I mean, this year, other than really the Cincinnati game, and we've just been a grind, and again, we are, I mean, the fact are we are 5-8, and eight, right, regardless of what's Around us, it doesn't matter. I mean, we need to get over that hump, and that's what I said before. You know, we, we got to find ways to get back on the, a winning track. 
Uh, you know, really the challenge for Desmond is you got to go earn the respect. You know, just because the name of starter doesn't all of a sudden mean he can come in here like he's the new sheriff in town and he's, gonna, he's a rookie and he's got to, you know, prove that he can be successful. I believe he will. So, but he's got to do it his own way and it's going to organically happen. I think to go in there and just be himself. And everybody's got their own, own way. Doesn't need to be anybody but himself. But I think once he finds success, you can lean into it a little bit more. That's, that's all we're going to ask him. Well, look, I, I don't think Desmond Ritter is coming in with a big head. He comes from a good program. He was well coached in college. Um, he seems to be an upstanding young man. I don't know him personally or anything like that, but um, I, I, I don't, I don't worry about he's coming in with a big head. With all due respect, not like he was a top five pick or anything like that. He was the second quarterback taken, and he was taken in the third round. I, I think he understands what his role is. All right, here's Arthur talking about the evolution of the passing game during the season. Well, you know, obviously early in the year, D-Led, we, uh, there are certain games we didn't pick the ball up that much, but uh, we certainly have uh, And recently as you continue to evolve because you got to improve. Like I said, I've been pleased with the progress we've had in the run game. It's been pretty consistent. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, for Sunday, we got to go down and, and uh, play well, prepare against a good front. But, um, again, some of those are private conversations, but we need more production, things that we've tried to, to do. It's not putting all the blame on him, but there's certain things we want to see, and we feel Desmond's got a chance to provide that, that spark. Again, 20 attempts or less, four and one. 21 attempts or more, one and seven. Anybody else in this town giving you that number? Anybody else been going through all that? Short, quick route, there one you read, go. throw. Uh, uh. Again, it's tough in the NFL to only throw it 21 times, you know, or 20 times and be and have to win that way. When most teams that, that win throw it 32, 33, 34 times a game. It's just the evolution of the NFL. All of the rules are set up to benefit the quarterback. So it's tough to have to live in that zone. When you have to run for 167 yards, and attempt 20 or less passes, that's a tough road to hoe. And I give the Falcons credit. They have That's how their formula has been to win. Run for a buck 67 or more and attempt 20 or less passes. That's tough to do in the NFL. And you see it's tough to try to sustain that and keep the success going. Here's Arthur talking about if he'll have to do uh, extra pep with Ritter in there. You know, it's based, you know, every quarterback uh... – Josh worked with is different. Other process, obviously, he's young, um, and that's been a big part of his development behind the scenes is, is finding that routine, and that's that's real. You know, as long as this season is the balance, uh, the way he prepares. Um, so a lot of it will be, yeah, Josh will be some more things we do, but I got to also make sure you know with Des too, he's got his week in order. And I will be new to him, right? You, you guys are going to talk to him this week, and all that stuff factors in. You know, those are different times. Time commitments, that's a responsibility of being a starter in the National Football League. So he's got to figure that out, and we'll certainly do everything we can to help him. Again, he was the face of his franchise at Cincinnati. I'm not telling you that they didn't have a lot of other talent with him, but he was the face of that franchise. And and understand it's not Bama and Georgia and Ohio State, but for that successful run that they made, he's the guy everybody turned to, right? Here's... Um, 
The, uh, let's get to number five. Here's Arthur talking about if he doesn't know if Mariota will return this season. You know, Josh, getting high with Eccles, of course you want all your guys to be here. Um, but again, guys got to make decisions based on what's the best interest from, you know, that, that's happened. It's part of the, the professional sports. You see it happen all over the place. And you got to have plans and contingency plans. And so the contingency plan was to get Logan in here, somebody I'm very familiar with that's been, uh, you know, obviously in Tennessee. And uh, if Logan's job on Sunday is to be the backup, if that's what, what happens, I, I'll have a clear picture when we talk again on Wednesday to be able to give you the, hey, this is definitely what, what's happened, what's not. But at least having Logan in here gives you another option. You obviously got Felipe as well. Uh, but feel more comfortable. You've got to have contingency plans. But do you, do you expect Mark's back this season? I can't, I can't answer that right now. Once I, obviously, if somebody goes on IR, I wouldn't anticipate him back. But until that decision has been made and finalized, now we're just talking hypotheticals. I'm not trying to be evasive. I'm just telling you the information as I have it. Well, if he goes on IR, he can't come back. You have to miss four games. So he's not coming back. It's very, con- listen, I give the Falcons credit. They are the masters at roster manipulation. Now, all of a sudden, Mariota's got a chronic knee problem, and he needs to go out, and he's probably going to go on. Listen, Arthur said, I don't think we have the quote here, but he said he expects him to probably go on IR. Okay, his season is done at that point, and I I know he's going on IR. You know why? Because if Mario or if Desmond Ritter falls on his face, then your head coach also doesn't have to answer any questions about, well, are you going to put in Marcus Mariota, who had been starting? Was it a mistake to switch court, you know, and all that with Mariota? No. If Mariota is quote-unquote hurt and he'll be out for the rest of the year, just like Jalen Mayfield is quote-unquote hurt and not active this year. Okay. Grab uh, grab that 20. This is Arthur talking about Mariota and potentially going to IR. Sign Logan Woodside uh, for depth of the quarterback. That move was made. As Marcus goes and um, he got an old chronic knee he wants to get evaluated. Uh, it has nothing to do with this decision, but he'll go. So he's he's not here right now. And we'll see how the rest of the week goes, but I anticipate him going to IR. Hey, uh, how's your knee feeling? Good? You mean bad? Yeah, why don't you go get that looked at? Let me get let me get our medical trainer, Dr. Vinny Boombots. Let me have him take a look at it for you, and let's see how it works. What's that? Oh, your arm's broken. Oh, okay. Come on, guys. You you think you're fooling me? And it's okay. I don't mind the gamesmanship. I told you, I told you this with Deion Jones. I've told you with Jalen Mayfield, and I'm telling you with Marcus Mariota. None of this stuff is just randomly happening in the universe that all of a sudden is Mariota not only not starting, but he's going to be on IR for the rest of the year. That just magically happened, huh? It's okay. I'm not mad at it, but just understand what it is. Now your head coach doesn't have to answer a single solitary question about, are you thinking about going back to Marcus Mariota? Hey, listen, Desmond Ritter plays well. You ain't got to worry about any of this stuff, right? But just in case, now I don't have to answer any questions about all of that. All right, I want to grab one more real quick here. Grab me number eight. Arthur Smith talking about other changes besides the quarterback. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we continue to make sure we got the best guys out there in the, in the 
secondary and same with the inside linebacker. And, you know, obviously we've got a lot of different guys play up front on defense. We continue to, to try to find the right lineup in, in terms of this game plan as we go through the week. We finalize that. You know, that's also a huge factor. Who's up, who's down, part of the plan. Um, certainly we've got a lot of, you know, different wideout spots. Who, who can help the most and part of this plan as well. So those we've been kind of running by committee anyways. So I would say the quarterback's the biggest change there offensively. Okay, let me send a subliminal message to Arthur Smith. Start at the Cootie. Start at the Cootie. Start at the Cootie. Start at the Cootie. Can we start Arnold Ebicady, please? Pretty please with sugar on top and candy canes and drumsticks and gumdrops and whatever the hell else kind of wonka candy there is. Can we please start Ebicady? Can I see him get 70, 75%? of the snaps like Lorenzo Carter has had this year. Please, please, pretty please, with sugar on top and a rum cake with it. Please, 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 I'm begging you. So anyway, I, I listen, I want to see Eba Katie start. I want to see more of Troy Anderson. Let me see D'Angelo Malone come in some situations. We got Ritter going. Let me see Tyler Algier. Let me see more first and second year guys have an expanded role. Okay? Ogundeji, hasta lasagna, don't get any on you. No need to start again. I need a guy whose job is to get to the quarterback. Let me have Ebicady. Well, he can't do that. I don't care. I don't care. I need a guy, more important than stopping the run, is sacking the quarterback. Let's do that more. When we get back, that's life. We uh, we got confirmation on a, another movie in a series of movies that's about to come out. Plus, what did I tell you about this Marilyn Monroe signed picture and what it sold for? Plus, our top ten. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, Downtown the Game, Odyssey.com app. John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make sales! Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with your John Chuckery Show. 921 live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. To be a part of the show, Odyssey app say catch us on the go. Social media is at 910 on the game, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. I'm at JMCH316. JMCH316. We'll get to a top 10 here in just a minute. I sent you this picture, Dylan. You have to share an office with one person who you picking. So here are the choices. I know you can't see the pictures. One is Hannah, who just got engaged. One is Bryce, who microwaves tuna. One is Lewis, who's a known farter, and he's got a pair of headphones on in this picture. One is Shiloh, only listens to Radiohead. Caleb does CrossFit. Daisy wears all-natural deodorant. (laughs) Wallace is like a 100. And Susan 
is from Human Resources. So, Dylon, I ask you, which one are you sharing an office with? Who you got? Uh, this one is actually pretty tough. For me, it's between two choices. It's between, well, maybe three. Actually, no two. It's between Shiloh and it's between Wallace. Now, the key is if, if Shiloh is wearing headphones, Shiloh's not going to get on my nerves because if Shiloh's wearing headphones on listening to Radiohead, then it's not going to affect me. Right. However, if they're listening to it out loud, <laughs> it's going to get on my nerves. Okay. But Wallace, being 100, Wallace is going to fall asleep all the time. Right. Or he's, he's like gonna, 100. More importantly, he's, he's just going to die at some point very soon. <laughs> Hopefully so that. So he's not going to be working with me very long. Right. Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> but, you know, um, I'll go with Wallace, though. I'll go with Wallace. Yeah, I, I would, too. Because I think Wallace isn't old. Wallace is at the point where, you know, some pe- old people are talkative. If he's like 100, I don't think he's going to be wanting to no. share any stories. No. He's going to keep to himself. Wallace, I don't think, is going to bother me at all. No, look, he's getting to an age where, again, if he has a solid bowel movement, he's going to be really happy. Right. So, again, <laughs> I, I agree. I would take Wallace as, as well because the rest of those people, they are. Yeah, that's just, no, that's horrible. Uh, happy 99th birthday to Bob Barker. It was his birthday yesterday. All right, let's go ahead and get disappointed. Do you know who Bob Barker is? Yes, Dylan? from the, pri- the the long host of The Price is yes. Right. I knew Bob who, Barker. He stooped everybody on that show. Oh, yeah. God <laughs> bless him. God bless Bob Barker. He was stooping all those models that were on that show. <laughs> and they had no choice but to stoop them. So I give Bob Barker all the credit in the world. Everybody wants to be like Bob Barker. All right, how about this? A... A signed a, a picture of Marilyn Monroe that she autographed herself as a gift to Joe DiMaggio. She wrote, I love you, Joe, and signed it Marilyn. Now, first off, let me go ahead and get disappointed. Do you know who Joe DiMaggio is? I do. Do you know who Marilyn Monroe is? I do. Okay. Maybe one of the most famous couples in American history, right? I, did, I will say I did not know they dated. They were married. Oh, the- they were married? Yes. Joe DiMaggio married Marilyn Monroe. I did not know that. So she signed a picture, I love you, Joe, and gave it to him. It is recently sold at auction. Um, Where is my total on this? How much do you think that it sold for at Heritage Auctions earlier this month? I'm going to say $8,000. Eight thousand. Eight thousand. Okay. Three hundred thousand. What dollars for a picture of Marilyn? A signed picture of Marilyn Monroe for a hand autographed photo. Was it a nude? No, but it is custom. But one of the things that does make it valuable is "I love you, Joe." The caption, uh, because true. obviously that is directly to Joe DiMaggio, right? And of course, her autograph. Three hundred thousand dollars. It's the highest-priced Marilyn Monroe autograph piece of merchandise ever sold. So I don't even know how somebody got their hands on that thing. Right. But three hundred grand. i am telling you, this memorabilia stuff is unbelievable. All right. So Jackie Chan confirmed the other day that they are going to make a Rush Hour 4. Now, I've said many times on the show, I love Rush Hour. I love the first Rush Hour. The second one is tremendous as well. Third one is eh. 
And I'm like, all right, now we're in money grab mode. Now we're in, I need it. Chris Tucker needs a check. Yep. Jackie Chan can use a check. Mm-hmm. Eh, okay. Because the last one wasn't that good. The first two are fantastic. Yeah. That I love first, the first two. Rush Hour is tremendous. Like, why can't they make more movies like that? Why can't we have more movies like Lethal Weapon? Or Rush Hour. Like, why can't we get those kinds of movies instead of all this stupid stuff that they're putting out there now? <laughs> like, these, I, I wanted to go see a movie over these last few weeks. There's nothing to go watch. Nothing. Bupkis. You could have gone out Black Panther. I'm talking about something besides a Marvel movie. I don't need to see ah. Black Panther. I'll watch <laughs> that later on. But, you know, again, there isn't a movie that's worth a crap out there. So, with that, tonight's top 10 list. As this will be rush hour four. Your top ten favorite either sequels or third or more movie in a franchise. So anything but the original movie. Right. Or, you know, the, the original that was made. It has to be a sequel or third or later. Dylon, the floor is yours. I'm very happy with the list I formulated today, John Chuckery. So before you start. Yes. Do you think we have I would bet you we I have know, I bet you we have one movie. I know for a fact we have two. Okay, all right. So you say two, I'm going to say one. I, I I'm I know we have one. I know I'm well, pretty sure what? we have two. You know what? Now that you say that, okay, I'll agree with you. I think we have two movies. I think each. we have two. Okay. All right. Uh this one I don't think is going to be on here. Well, it might be. I don't know. It might surprise me. Number 10. The imp- uh, actually, no, no, no. This one's going to be number nine. No, so number 10, I got Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Okay, so I've got Terminator 2 as well on my list because... Oh, that's not one I think you I, I've, I've said before, I think that that's the best movie I visually saw in the movie theaters. Like, that was revolutionary when it came out. great movie. That was my, one of my favorite movies of all time to have seen in a movie theater. So I've got Terminator 2 as well. I unfortunately didn't see it in a movie theater. I remember I watched it at my dad's house, and it was tremendous. It made me want to watch the other Terminators because Terminator 2 Judgment Day was actually the first Terminator I ever saw. Yes. So Terminator 2 is is tremendous. It's a tremendous it's piece of movie making. So uh, that comes in number 10 for me. Number 9, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, One I've of the got best that Star on my Wars. list of, as well. Oh, we might em- have more than Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie oh, ever made. Without a doubt. It's without the be- a doubt. I don't, uh, they've made 500 Star Wars movies. <laughs> it's still the best movie that they ever made. And... What's great, crazy about it is it's not a happy ending movie no, for Star Wars. No, it's not. It's not a happy ending movie for a Star Wars movie. So I remember one day I was bored and I had nothing to do. This was I think I was on break from college or whatever. I watched all the Star Wars movies straight through, and it was it was a fantastic yeah, day. Yeah, that movie is tremendous on its own. Um, so The Empire Strikes Back. Um, at number eight, this really should be lower, but anyways, Final Destination 2. Now, I watched this movie at my dad's house one time. Uh-huh. I did not know what it was. I did not know what to expect. I was pretty young. This movie, it it's good in the way because it, it like scarred me. Final Destination, those movies are so gory and it just I was like, "Whoa." And that movie yeah. just always stuck with me. And I was like, "What did I just watch?" They are a weird movie series. Just because of the premise yeah. of them and everything like that. I think so. Final Destination 2 told the best story, though. Is that the one where they start off by dying on the airplane or whatever? No, I think no. Destiny, I think Final Destination 2 is when they start uh, the first, like, where everybody dies is on the highway. 
Okay. I think that's the Okay. I, if I remember correctly, I think that's the first place where it all goes down. Okay. Um another one for me at number seven, The Matrix Reloaded. I really oh, okay. like this movie. Yeah. And again, it, I I saw the Matrix Reloaded before I saw the original Matrix, and it made me want to go back and watch the original. I did not see. Did you see the the Matrix they came out with just like a couple of years ago or something I, like that? I didn't see it. I didn't either because I heard it was awful. So yeah, I heard it was bad. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't. You know it. the you know the Wachowski brothers or whatever those guys are. <laughs> you know they like change their gender and all that kind of stuff. Did they really? Yeah, it's it's I a weird story. That. Yeah, it's, okay. it's it's too weird. I was like, okay, I'm done. Number six, Captain America: Civil War. Of course, yep. I mean again, it has I, to be. I will, I will fight anybody. That's the best Marvel movie ever done. Yes, I, I think the story, the characters. It's our first chance to see everybody. Yep. Well, I shouldn't say that because the Avengers had come out, but but you but you really introduce like the main like, right. Like you get yeah. more than the Avengers. You yeah. get you get uh, you know you get everybody. You get yep. beside. You don't get the Hulk, but you get. You know, you, you finally get Black Panther. Yep. You get finally get Spider Man. You get Spiderman. You get Ant Man. I mean, yep. you get everybody mm-hmm. coming together. So I agree. Civil War. I mean, it, it was it's amazing. a fantastic movie. And I not only, it. like you said, not only was you know you got to saw, see all these characters, but the story was actually really yeah, good it too. Is. And, it's and, a really good and story. And again, the the air the airport fights. I mean, it's, oh, that, like you can tremendous. always watch that. Like you can yes. always watch that scene. So. I agree. Civil War is fantastic. Uh, another one sticking on Marvel here for a second. Spider-Man No Way Home. This is the latest Spider-Man that came out with all the Spidermans. Okay. I love it just because you got to see all the Spidermans. So this is the one that's in the new multiverse thing. Yes. And Doctor Strange Love is there. Well, no, Doctor Strange Love's not. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he yeah, is. He's I, in th- this is one. It, yeah. I thought he, he was is. because he, he is. He, 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 he he's the one that does the spell. Yeah. Right. He helps yeah. the, the Spidermen go yeah. get all the other Spidermans and uh, stuff. So. Yeah. So uh, Spiderman No Way Home for me. Um, number four. This this one. Well, really, this one is. I'm going in the order I wrote them, but this one is like number one. The Dark Knight. The Dark yeah. Knight is. I, I mean, mean, tremendous. Listen, the Dark Knight. With all due respect to The Godfather Two, you could make a case that The Dark Knight's the best sequel ever, ever. done for a movie. Yes. I mean, Without of all a doubt. time. I mean, and I and listen, Godfather Two is on my list because it's an epic movie. But I'm, just from a pure movie standpoint. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight was like unlike anything we'd ever seen before. Like it was the story, Heath Ledger's performance. Yes. I, I mean, mean the, everything. I still will tell you, it's the best comic book based movie ever done. Yep. Um, I, I again, I, I don't know how it wasn't up for an Oscar. I mean, they literally changed the Oscars after it because yeah. it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Only Heath Ledger was nominated. Right. But the, it should have been up for a Best Picture. But it's it's unlike any movie that was before it, and still unlike any movie that we've seen. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of The Dark Knight Rises, the third one. Like it's, it's all right. It's too long. It's too long. It is, and and I don't know. It's very convoluted with yes. the story, and, and it, it takes way too long for us to finally see Batman. Yes, like it, I agree. It, there's too much stuff going on around. Yeah. All of it that I needed more Batman and more Bane. Yeah, it's too much for yeah, Cocta after all. Yeah, that. it's like I'm in the hole. I'm in the dungeon. I'm there. Spe- it yeah. feels like half the movie he was in that dang exactly. hole. Exactly. In the half the movie is spent him trying to dig out of the hole. I mean, right. I, and he had to like find himself again, right. and it was just right. Dumb. Right. I was and, like, and we bro. don't get enough of what Catwoman actually is. Yes. And stuff like that. I mean, so, yes. Yeah. I, I I'm not as big a fan of that movie, but I'm with you. But obviously, the Dark Knight stuff. The, creme de la creme of all movies. Okay. And I think this had to make the list one because it's a great sequel and 
it's the reason we're doing this top ten. Rush Hour Two, it, Rush Hour Two was, is is funny. I love the action in it, so Rush Hour Two is definitely goes on my list. Um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, the final Harry Potter movie of like you know the main series. Um, I just Not like to the be way- confused with the adult version of it called Harry Pooper. <laughs> I didn't know there was an adult oh. version called Harry Pooper. So thank you for that. And then um, uh, a movie that I can always watch, Avengers Endgame. I mean, Endgame was amazing. Yeah, I mean, every time Endgame is on, I watch yes. Endgame uh, as well. Can't pass it up. So I had I had Civil War, Terminator 2, Dark Knight, Empire Strikes Back. So we had four um, that are the same. Um, Rocky three. That okay. I mean, that, that to me, the, the first Rocky's the best Rocky, but Rocky three was a culture phenomenon. Hulk Hogan is Thunderlips, Mr. T... You know, the the Eye of the Tiger, like that was a cultural movie that's still, from an entertainment standpoint, it's probably my favorite Rocky, but the best movie's the, the first one, but Rocky Three is tremendous. Um, the Godfather 2, of course. Um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I've said this many times. Okay. I think the second Indiana Jones is the best movie of them all. I think Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom I like that movie better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, that Temple of Doom is actually my favorite movie in the Indiana Jones series. I, I actually like that better than um, the third one with Sean Connery or the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love Temple of Doom. I love I love the story and I love the, the, the scenery and all that with it. And then my final two are James Bond movies, Goldfinger and Casino Royale, which to me is my arguably my... Goldfinger and Casino Royale, my two favorite James Bond movies ever done. But Casino Royale is just tremendous. Daniel Craig's first outing, it's just everything about that movie is awesome. How so, long before you, you brought up um, uh, Indiana Jones, how long before they re- reboot that series? Because you know they're going to do it. You don't think No, 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 no. They already do it. Haven't you seen the trailer? Uh-uh, the trailer they... comes out next year for the next Indiana Jones movie. Oh, there's okay. a tra- Go on. When, when we're we're going to listen to Tori McElhaney coming up yeah. here in just a couple minutes. While we're, in, while we're during the, the interview... The trailer is already out for the next Indiana Jones movie. I did not know yes. that. And Harrison Ford is a hundred. Harrison Ford is chasing himself. <laughs> okay, <laughs> how is it that those movies are all set during the Nazi era of America, and yet Harrison Ford goes from being twenty-five to a hundred and five in like a five-year span of the actual movie itself? Anyway, yeah, but no, in this movie he's trying to hunt himself down. <laughs> All right, Tori McElhaney joined us earlier in the show. We'll replay what she had to say as we get ready for Falcons and Saints. Happy Ritter season, everybody. Sports Radio 92 and the game, Odyssey.com app. And down and over and out, and I know one thing. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with the John Trucker Show, hanging out at the Key Studios. Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929, by the way, is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. You hear the music. You know what that means. Uh, we normally do this on Wednesdays, but since we do not have a show tomorrow night, let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. She, of course, is a reporter for the Atlanta Falcons for atlantafalcons.com. At Tori underscore McElhaney is where you find her on Twitter. And, Tori, let me wish you a happy happy Ritter season to uh, everyone that celebrates. 
You know, happy Ritter season for the Ritter Ruckus, as I lovingly call them. <laughs> and also, it's Taylor Swift's birthday today. So the music and the happiness is just abounding. Yeah, now we just got to get tickets, right? That's that's our next goal in life is, uh, <laughs> is all the tickets. But anyway, that's a separate discussion that Tori and I have. So, um, you know, Tori, I, I was talking about this, that they, there's an old saying in football, I'm sure you know, that a rookie quarterback's best friend is a really good running game. And the Falcons have plenty of that. And one thing that's frustrated me about the offense the last few weeks is it's been 12, 14, and 11 touches for Cordero Patterson. I just feel like we're at that point of the season where they need to feed him the football more. And whether that's split him out a little bit more, more carries, whatever like that. But, you know, we talk about Ritter, but I really want to see Patterson get that touches number up at least in like the low 20s. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because when you look at kind of the way that defenses have been playing Atlanta in the last probably month or so, they really it really was a situation where I think a lot of defenses over the course of the last month have been like, we're going to make Atlanta beat us with Marcus Mariota throwing the ball. And I think that was something that as the season has gone on, teams have figured out like, look, they do have a – significantly well-executed rushing attack. Let's take that away and make them beat us in another way. And and I think that's kind of a a little bit why you have seen Cordero Patterson's numbers maybe not be where I think some people want them to be. It's not something that I'm actually overly concerned about because I do think that the Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier kind of duo right now has done some good things over the last month of the season. I think the problem is is execution in the pass game more than it is what CP's touches may or may not be. This, This offense needs to get back to being a balanced offensive attack, and I think they have gotten away from that because there is less productivity when they are throwing the ball. Tori, the other thing I'm I'm wanting to see as well is, and assuming that he's healthy, and 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 I've talked to you about this before. Just I I want to see Arnold Ebicady start. I want to see more Troy Anderson. I want to see more D'Angelo Malone. Like I want to see besides you know even Tyler Algier getting an increased workload. Besides just seeing our young quarterback, you know we we also have to continue to evaluate these young guys on our roster because we can talk about all the free agent money in the world, but you still have to build through your young core, and I want to see those guys. And especially my big thing is I want to see Arnold Ebicady start the rest of the way. He is our best pass rusher. Let me see him on the field for somewhere in that 65 to 70% of the snaps range. Yeah, and I think that Arnold Ebicady is is actually, I think, one of the guys that I've been very impressed with. You talk about the last month of the season when things haven't necessarily been going the way the Falcons want them to. I think you missed Arnold Ebicady's presence when, as he was working through the forearm injury that kind of plagued him over the two weeks before we even got into the bye week. The Falcons will get him back. He'll be healthy, and he'll be out there come tomorrow when they have the first practice for, for Saints week. But I think it is one of those things that I, I'm really, really looking forward to getting him particularly back out on the field and seeing that work, workload increase because I thought he had really turned a corner over the course of the last month and a half of the season. And I was really enjoying watching him play. I thought he was doing things that don't, we talk about Grady Jarrett doing things that don't always show up in the stat sheet. I thought 
AK was doing very similar things where he and he was getting some some productive, I guess, sacks and QB hits and, and tackles that do show up in a stat sheet. But it was even more so him maneuvering a quarterback out of the pocket and the quarterback throwing the ball away. I mean, those those are never going to show up in a stat sheet. But I really thought that he was somebody who was actively doing that when we saw him in. I'm excited to get him back. And and it goes across the board with all of these rookies. You know, I don't think you could call some of these guys rookies anymore considering how much they have played this season. And I I think that's only going to continue to increase as we get into the final four weeks of this season. It's our weekly conversation with Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com. She joins me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. So I know – I know some people's instant reaction when I say this is going to be the quarterback play that they faced, but I do feel like the Falcons' pass defense has played better over the last handful of weeks. In fact, you have to go back to Justin Herbert back on November 6th, the last time any quarterback threw for 200 yards against the Falcons, only 197 last week for the Steelers. And I understand it's been the Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Steelers, but you know, I said Taylor Heineke threw it for almost 303 touchdowns against us. One guy who's really stepped up, and I'm going to give the numbers a little bit later, but if you look at A.J. Terrell's numbers these last three weeks, he's been outstanding in past defense. Yeah. And it feels like at least that group has sort of turned a corner of a bit, and they're not the sieve that they were early in the season. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because you you start the season off and you have Casey Hayward and A.J. Terrell. And I know some people were giving A.J. Terrell down the road about uh, the way that he was playing, but I wasn't – I mean, (laughs) it's hard to replicate what his second year in the league was and how fantastic his last year was. And he does does one thing and lets a couple catches – go by him and and everybody's like oh my gosh AJ Terrell's washed up that's not at all what happened he gets hurt has that hamstring injury that took him out for a few a few weeks and then also you lose Casey Hayward with the shoulder injury at that exact time so this secondary was playing guys who I'm gonna be honest I think a lot of people consider them practice squad players on some other teams and so you're playing some of these guys who for the first time are really getting significant reps in the secondary and you aren't full strength in in your secondary and now you've started to see AJ Terrell has come back and he's playing the way that I think everybody not just expects him has come to expect him to play but the way the Falcons need him to play and that's not a shot at what how he was playing earlier. I just think he. You're, I agree with you. He's playing really, really well right now, and and I think Darren Hall across from him has stepped into the role of Casey Hayward. And you know, I think he had some bumps and bruises, kind of in those first games where he's you know having to essentially he's the the guy who maybe has the most on field reps. And it, but you've seen him grow, and I think his growth is evident. And I think his growth is something that you look at where he was maybe right when Casey Hayward first gets hurt and he has to go out there to where he is now. I think there is obvious growth in that. And then, of course, Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant, they're coming along as well. I mean, I think it's it's, it's everybody. It's not just A.J. Terrell playing really well, as we all know he's playing really well, but it is a lot of how this secondary was having to piece themselves together to get through the middle of the season. And now, now they're kind of through, you hope, the worst of the injury bug, and they can kind of settle in in a way. Tori, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm, I'm going to say to you, but is there a realistic chance that the Falcons may 
be open to the idea of bringing Caleb McGarry back. You know, he's having a really good season, and especially in the run blocking. Now, I'm still a little bit leery about his pass rush. I've seen plenty of times where, you know, those speed guys still get right around him. But I will say he's had arguably his best season. Well, not arguably. He has had his best season as an NFL player this year. I wonder if there isn't a real discussion to be had about the idea of bringing him back next year to be your right tackle. I mean, that's a great question, and it's one that I've kind of toyed with as well as we get closer and closer to the end of the season. And I'm glad that you brought up Kayla McGarry because I truly think that the story of the year, in my opinion, I know everybody's going to talk about Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter, which honestly I'm surprised we haven't gotten more into yet, but I digress. But we, the story to me is the turnaround of Caleb McGarry and the progress of Caleb McGarry and honestly just the productivity of Caleb McGarry. I mean, when you look at the Falcons when they run the ball to the right side of the protection, so you're talking about Caleb McGarry and you're talking Chris Lindstrom. That has been so productive for them time and time and time again this season. And a lot of that has to do with, one, Chris Lindstrom continuing to be, in my opinion, the best guard in the NFL. And I think there are stats that can back that up. But also, Caleb McGarry playing so well beside him and just the the growth of of a player that I think has taken a lot of shots from the fan base and, and whoever. But he is someone who I've been exceptionally impressed with. And I think it does kind of plant a seed in the back of these decision makers' minds, this offensive line has played so well this year and done so many things that you can be proud of in the run game. And I also do think in pass pro too, that do you want to keep this group together? And do you want to see what this group could do with maybe another year together? I mean, that's something that you know you're not going to let Chris Lindstrom walk away. You, you, I think you literally can't. You know Jake Matthews is going to be there. You know that Drew Dahlman is going to be your your center. He's still on his rookie rookie contract. Elijah Wilkinson, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of questionable because he is only on a one-year deal. But I think he was – when he's healthy, he's been fantastic for, for this offensive line. Then you have Caleb McGarry. I mean, could we be talking about a situation if the Falcons have the money and play it accordingly that they – see that whole line return that's the that's a really good question for this offseason all right so last question all right so you brought it up I, I guess this is where I stand I understand the thought process of why Marcus Mariota played as much as he did and and I get that but I think we all feel like it's time like the offense has been bogged down they haven't done a whole lot these last few weeks they're not getting enough play I mean I, I've said before there's a difference between not being a good passing team and being an incompetent passing team and we're becoming incompetent in our passing game so I just think that it's a quarter of the season left it it really does seem like say what you will Tori but I mean it's all just kind of worked itself out very neatly and I do like the way that they've sort of manipulated this move just Mariota's going to go to IR and all that kind of stuff okay so I, I just think that it's all kind of fit very neatly this year with how this has worked out yeah I mean I I don't think you know it's interesting because I, I don't know if this is this was planned from the beginning. Like in week one, they're right. like, all right, we're going to start Marcus until the bye week gets here, and then we're going to give Desmond a shot in the final four games. Like I, I think it really was kind of a month-by-month thought of like, okay, when it's not necessarily like if it was ever going to happen, but when it was going to happen. Because you have to 
give you have to give yourself an opportunity to see what you have in Desmond Ritter. You just have to. I mean, you drafted the guy. You don't have a long-term solution for the quarterback position after trading Matt Ryan to Indianapolis. There was always a thought, I think, when Marcus Mariota came in and signed his two-year deal that he was just a bridge from Matt Ryan to whoever the next franchise quarterback for the Falcons could be. That's kind of how I viewed it. And then he has a shot to maybe expand that bridge. I mean, I, I and then we know now, like, that's probably, likely, definitely not going to happen. So when you look at not just where the Falcons are right now with a chance to, I mean, heck, anyone could win this NFC South. It, it's mind-boggling to me, but not just in the short term, but in the long term of figuring out what you have in Desmond Ritter, you owe yourself the opportunity to at least see him in some type of action in a live game. And I, and I think now, you know, we talk about the right time and Arthur Smith was talking on, on Monday where he was like, you know, there's always a risk when you make a change like this, but you have to be okay with taking that risk to figure it out. And and I think that's where the Falcons are right now. I'm not saying that. And I think everybody should taper expectations for Desmond Ritter too. I mean, this is a guy who's been running the scout team and practice squad for the last gosh, the almost the entire season. So Taper expectations. This is a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start in New Orleans against the Saints. I mean, that's hard for anybody, let alone a quarterback in his very first start of his career. So taper expectations. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to, you know, go out on Sunday and be God's gift to football. But just understand that this is an evaluation process to see, okay, you have at least four games to figure out what you have in him. Can you say, can that put you in a position after the season's over to figure out one way or another where you're going to go even next year or the year after next at that position? Follow her on Twitter at Tori underscore McElhaney. She, of course, covers Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com and join me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, is always appreciated. We will get together again next week, and, uh, you know, we're coming down the very end of this season, so thanks as always. Absolutely. You have a good one.